didn't do a countdown duty. Well, here we are back again with another podcast episode. This is Extra Sauce on the Side. I'm Samantha Denman. Uh, we talk about the things that make life a little spicier or flavorful or whatever the heck I'm supposed to say. I am here with Jonathan Bailey. <laughs> uh, he is a coffee connoisseur and a business owner, kind of, sort of. Yeah, kind of. Definitely. Entrepreneur. Nur. Entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Hi, John. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, John brought coffee, so we always appreciate that. BYOC, everywhere. (laughs) He said, I'm bringing a mug, and he brought four. I brought four mugs, yeah. (laughs) A mug and a pot. (laughs) So I know John because I... And best friends with his sister and in my early college years i used to tag along with him and his high school friends to take pictures and videos of them skateboarding yeah uh which was really like one of the first times that like i got to do photography for funsies with people so it was really fun so uh john is also the first person who started posting pictures of food and beverage that i was like oh normal people can do this so, here he is. Big normal guy. Big normal guy. Just, <laughs> yeah, very normal. John, tell us about how you decided to be a coffee man. Um, so, yeah, this is a long time ago. It would have been, well, okay, we're going to go way back yeah. since we've got time. Um, so, I've been drinking coffee since I was, like, three. Um, I think it would have been, so, like, the late 90s. Uh, my grandma retired from her like normal job and she was bored. So she worked at the Meyer Starbucks oh. in Granville, I want to say, Granville Jenison. Um, so she was a barista like, you know, 20 years ago. Um, so I was always around coffee and we had coffee at her house and, you know, my parents drank coffee like most parents do. And you're always curious to try it when you're younger. And your parents had seven kids, so they needed all the coffee. Yeah. 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 There were like 30 people, you know, at my house at all times. So, um, yeah, so I'll save all the rest of the details, but fast forward to when I'm in college. Um, so I went to school for film and, um, I was following a lot of filmmakers on Instagram and, you know, filmmakers were like the OG hipsters doing like, you know, they shot film and, and stuff like that. And of course, like they didn't have real coffee pots. They had pour overs, which in 2014, a pour over was like, whoa, what is that? Um, so at the time, like my favorite skit group or guy on YouTube was, um, Julian Smith, which most people know who he is. Um, he posted a picture of a Chemex that was broken. Like it, it broke and he did, he said, hashtag Chemex. Right. And I'm like, what is that? So I Google it and I'm like, oh, this thing's only 40 bucks and it makes coffee and it looks really cool. I'm going to go get one. And I literally just like hopped in my car, drove to Williams Sonoma in Troy, Michigan, bought a cat. 
You drove across the state? No, no, sorry. No, I lived over there. Okay, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I lived That's in Detroit. Dedication. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, popped over there, got a Chemex, had no idea how to use it, but the guy at the store was, like, really helpful and, like, gave me some tips. Long story short, I, I was making the worst coffee for years because um, I was not measuring anything. I think I was, like, scooping water with a ladle, like a spoon, and pu- using that as my kettle. Because I didn't have one. So you were boiling it in a pot? Yes. On the stove? <laughs> yes. And my college, my college roommates can attest to this. We would, we would drink it and we would always look at each other and say, good brew, good brew. And it, I, can, I can assure you it was bad brew, not good. <laughs> Big bad brew. <laughs> Big bad brew, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, you fall into that rabbit hole of just a slight interest. Um, and, like, here we are almost 10 years later and still working in coffee, taking pictures of coffee, just much better coffee now. Um, and I've, you know, been to Honduras, been to coffee farms, which we can talk about later too. Um, yeah, that's how I got into coffee. So I, I know that you did on the way to becoming a business owner and full-time barista and manager and all those things. How did you choose that over a film and video career? Um, so talk a little bit about your career progression and how you ended up. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, going to school for film, I knew like first couple days that I was not like cut out for that life. Um, that's kind of what they focus on that at the school was like, this is like the lifestyle, you know, you work 18 hour days for 25 days straight or whatever it may be if you're working on a production and then you and, may not work for a year. Right. And, you know, you're making a hundred bucks a day, which when you're 18 is like, whoa, that's a lot. But like when you think about it, it's really not that much. Um, so I kind of knew early on, like, yeah, this, this isn't for me, but like, I'm also one to kind of pave my own way if it's something that I want to do. Um, so I started doing freelance, just like shooting weddings events and doing like you know like really bad rap videos um (laughs) which was fun and like I like doing it but again like the money was no better than than what I would make if I was working in film you know probably less than a hundred dollars a day so then I was like okay well you know I have like few interests um and coffee being one of them I was like I want to work in coffee I want to go try to work as a as a barista. So, you know, I'm like, I'll go work at, you know, I'll go work at Madcap or like, I'll just, I'll go work wherever I want. Um, which I quickly found out it's like much harder to get. Yeah. That's one thing about being a barista is like, you're like, Oh, well if I get fired, I'll just go be a barista. Getting hired as a barista somewhere is not easy. Yeah. It's not as, it's not as easy as you think it like it fit. You need like a very specific set of skills and like, it's mostly like social skills and things like that. But, um, yeah, so I sent out a bunch of emails to like the local cafes, um, Lantern being one of them, and nobody responded to me. So I was like, maybe I should just go work at Starbucks. And there was one by my house. So thankfully they were hiring. I went there, worked there for a couple of years. And um, and I just, I knew, it's kind of the same thing. I knew very early on there that I was like, man, this is, it's not for me. Like I love coffee and I was bringing in my own beans to work and like making it for my coworkers and being like, yeah, this is what like coffee should taste specialty like. coffee is. Um, which m- most of them didn't really care, but, yeah. um, I always knew like, I want to be doing like cool stuff. Like I want to be like proud of what I'm serving and 
and like being a part of like a community, which I mean, Starbucks is Starbucks. There's no way around that. Just, it is what it is. Um, so eventually I left. It's a great entry level job. Yes. Oh, great. And, I, and I learned, even if you're trying to get into coffee, it's a great place to go because most of the people I worked with when I was a barista started at Starbucks. I got lucky and just kind of fell into it yeah. part time yeah. and wasn't any good at all. <laughs> but most people who start in specialty coffee start at Starbucks because they have benefits and yeah, it's yeah, and great. Starbucks as a company isn't like amazing, but they have a great like training program and they have, whether they're like real opportunities or not, like I became a coffee master, which when you're there is like, whoa, I know. So now like (laughs) Caleb is behind the camera and he went, (laughs) right. (laughs) So even like, like it's, it's kind of like a meme now with me. Um, cause I still have like my coffee master apron that has like my name embroidered. And like my League of Legends like username is Coffee Master, and like people like ask me they're like do you have, do you drink that cat poop coffee, which is like a total stupid thing in the oh industry. Oh my gosh, but it's just funny. Um, so they they have like these like things you can do to like kind of progress your education. Um, so I got to go to like management meetings and brew coffee for all the managers, which I at the time I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, well, they was, have so many employees for you to be picked for that is pr- a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, and it was unpaid, which is so cool. <laughs> but anyway. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I didn't care. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm just out here, you know, brewing coffee. And I want to brew coffee and taste coffee and be with coffee people. So I was there a couple of years. Reached out to Lantern. They were hiring, got a job there. We'll save all the details, but worked there for a couple of years, started to progress our quality there. We had a little more attention to detail when I was there because I was starting to learn much more. And I was finally in the specialty scene, which just like ignited this passion in me to like really dive in and like take ownership of everything I was doing. Um, and then in March of 2018, I got an email from this company. They were hiring like a content creator position in-house for um, part of the home buying process. I won't say like, I won't go into too many details. Um, And that was something that I was dying to do. Yeah. I think all creators kind of at one point would love to have like a nine to five, just creating content. Like that's the dream, right? Yeah. Um, It's, It's every photographer videographer's dream to have to be able to do the creative thing that you love and have health insurance and a regular paycheck right those things don't go together right so this like literally fell into my lap and and I was like man like I went to school for this and like this is a career like I'm a suit and tie guy now like that's gonna be me so I left coffee which I'll never forget like quitting at Lantern. We have like a hallway downstairs and I'm downstairs like putting in my two weeks, just like sobbing, like crying. Cause I knew like I was really sad leaving coffee, but I was like, no, like this is a career. Like I need to be I, an I need adult. To do this. I'm going to buy a house, like whatever, all that BS. Um, and I hated it. And it, like, I did it for like a year and it was it, it was like partly the job itself, like what I was doing was just like not fun. And 
I'm also someone that like, I only want to do like fun stuff. Like I just like want to do stuff that like I find fun. Um, so it was like very soul crushing. You're exactly on the cusp of millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I finally came to a realization like, all right, I wasn't making any more like money, which it, the money wasn't like the end all be all for me, but I was like, I'm not making like really any more than what I would in coffee. And like, I had much more fun working coffee and it's way low pressure. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to wear a tie. I don't have to like wear dress shoes, which are the worst. Like dress shoes are the worst thing. I mean, worse They're for women because you got, you know, heels and stuff. I but, never wear those. But like I just hated wearing leather shoes and you know, I think my least favorite part was like, I'd be in the kitchen at work because we had a kitchen there, like getting coffee, like my own, like I had my own setup. Of course you did. And, you know, like my coworkers would walk in and they're like, ah, got to have it. I'm like, I hate this small talk, man. Like, I can't do it. Like, yeah, I agree. Like, got to have it. But like, I don't want to talk to you about the weekend. Like, I don't, I just wasn't the type of person. So finally I was like, all right, I need to figure my life out. I'd already bought a house at that point. So I'm like, I got that part figured out, had a dog. Um, and there was a cafe opening by my house that I saw and I hit him up and I was like, Hey, here's how much money I make. Let me help you open that cafe. And I did that. And that, um, was whatever for a year ish. And then fast forward to October, 2019, I went back to lantern. The old manager left so the um, other manager hit me, or the other owner hit me up and he was like, hey, you know, we'd love to have you come back. We need someone that like understands the business and the coffee side of things. Um, are you like willing to come back? And I'm like, maybe, <laughs> let's meet. Yes. So we had a meeting, talked about like what I was looking for, what he was looking for um, and like what he wanted. Came back, um, had an excellent staff. We started to like really grow in the community. We started forming like more meaningful relationships with the people that were coming into our cafe, which I realized like very early on that like coffee isn't um, like you, your relationships with the people that come into your cafe is like far more important than the products you're serving and staying trendy, like really getting to know those people is so, so important. Um, so that's what the last like three years of my life I've been focusing on is how do I make like meaningful connections in our community and coffee is just also there. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of my whole career progression. And now, um, I finally have one job for the first time since I've been 16. Like I'm doing just one thing. Like I don't do freelance anymore, which is like a blessing and a curse. Like I kind of miss doing some of that stuff, but now like all my brain capacity can just be on lantern and like, that's it. Yeah. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the ways like that you've started making those connections? Because I think that's really important for people to understand that like not just in coffee in every business you're going to be more successful if you spend your time focusing on your customer. And so what are some ways that you guys have started doing that? Yeah. So right when I took back over, um, at the time we were only making one of our own syrups in in house. Um, and it was like pretty basic ingredients and I was kind of like really getting into cooking food at the time. And I was like, man, like 
I can figure out how to make syrups. Like I'd say it can't be that hard yeah. to figure this out. It'll just be like extra work. And I was willing to put in that extra work. So I like set a deadline for myself. I was like, okay, I'm ordering X amount of syrups and X amount of chai. And that will last us a month. So I have 30 days to figure out how to make all of these ourselves. And I just started like coming in on my days off and staying late and like researching ingredients um, to switch us completely over to be like independent on in that sense. But the way we connect that with our community is everything we buy comes from stores local to us. Okay. So specifically our chai, um, is expensive to make, but we buy all of our ingredients from Spice of India on 28th Street. Okay. So we've like gotten to know them a little bit. There's like a little bit of a language barrier and uh, like social barrier. Like they, I don't think they really like me, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like I, we buy all of our ingredients from them. Um, and then there was like a place we were sourcing from in Michigan um, that we were buying like almost all the rest of our stuff. So we, we focus on community, like Grand Rapids first. And if we can't get something in Grand Rapids, we'll do like Michigan. And then if we can't get Michigan, which is rare, we'll do, you know, the Midwest. Um, like our honey comes from Ada. Um, all of our like vanilla bean paste that we buy and vanilla extract that comes from um, like an extract company on the other side of the state. Um, so keeping money within our community is, is super important because, you know, most of the time that money gets reinvested back into our community. Yeah. Um, whereas buying from like a Monin or Ghirardelli, like you don't see those dollars come back. Yeah. And they give you diarrhea. Yeah. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you're probably, and you probably support, you know, like slave labor or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, It's gotta be in there somewhere. Yeah, probably. You get big enough. You have to have the slave labor. (laughs) And, and most recently we've switched over, you know, our, our cacao we buy, um, which cacao doesn't grow in the Midwest, obviously. Um, So there's a, a local company called Roast Umber, um, specifically Atacun uh, Chocolatidia, which I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Was that a language? That was, I think. A- Atacun is the uh, is a saying in Honduras. You didn't but just have a stroke? No, okay. it feels like it. <laughs> but so um, they're importing some, some single origin cacao from Honduras. Um, and the producer down there, they actually brought him up here and I got to meet him and serve him. Uh, the first mocha with chocolate of his that he'd ever had. And I'll never forget. He was, it was still during COVID. So everyone's like wearing masks and everything. And like, we were, we were at max capacity, which was like 12 people. And he looked at me and he said, best mocha I have in world. (laughs) And I'll never, (laughs) I'll never forget that. Um, But you know, like supporting him and seeing what he's been able to do with his business down there. Um, cause he's been up here a couple of times and I got to go down to see what they're doing down there. Um, is really cool. Cause it's, it's easy to support big companies. It's really easy because the prices are better and the quality is roughly the same. So it's, it's harder to support small guys, but it is way more fulfilling to see how like gracious and like how valued they feel, which is like a very humbling thing for me. So, well, and that kind of leads into like why it's so important to support local coffee shops because you get that same experience right like these are people who are actually passionate about things like what would you say sets you guys apart from a chain obviously your coffee's better but why is that like why should people not go to the starbucks at studio park and go to lantern yeah i mean (laughs) you know 
as much as I dislike chains, like they're a necessary evil, like they have to exist. Yeah. Um, I go to them. You need when, to drive through every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. When I'm in an absolute pinch, they need to exist. It's the same reason that McDonald's and Burger King need to exist. Yeah. Um, now the, the reason that like smaller cafes are so much more important is because they're actually doing good for the industry. So like, we are buying coffees that directly support the industry we are a part of. Mm -hmm. Whereas chains, most of the time they're buying from farms that they own that they use slave labor. So they're not, they're not actually contributing real value back into what we are doing. So I buy coffee from a farmer in Honduras where you know, he's got this experimental thing that could jeopardize his income, but he wants to try it for the sake of quality. It tastes great. I can take a risk and pay him more money for his coffee. So next year he can reinvest or produce something better or learn or grow. Whereas chains are going to pressure to have the highest margin. They're going to want the, you know, cause quality isn't, isn't their thing because it's got so much syrup and milk and you can't even really taste cream. the coffee yeah. yeah and and that's why i think it needs to exist because you know sometimes start, you want that yeah sometimes you just want candy yeah. in liquid form and for you know moms that are on the go that need to drive through and they just want caffeine like that's fine and i'm not gonna like scrutinize them for it but people need to understand that like they're not doing service to the industry by heavily supporting those places like, yeah. Can we talk more about the slave thing? I mean, you just casually yeah. dropped that, but like, is that a commonly known thing in the industry that big chains use slave labor? Yeah. So it's, it's a number of ways. So there's like three ways that it can happen. Um, three main ways. And this is all from like my understanding. I haven't researched this like heavily cause yeah, don't sue us. We're just <laughs> talking. So from my understanding is so Vietnam is actually like, if you Google right now, like the number one coffee exporter, it will say Brazil. Um, and that's because Brazil exports, uh, coffee. Whereas in Vietnam, they are actually the number one exporter, but they export, um, it, it falls under a different category. It's like bulk grocery or something like that. I don't know what it is, but something like that, where it doesn't fall into that same category. Um, and again, I don't know all of the stats specifically, but from what I understand, Starbucks owns like somewhat close to like 70% of the farms in Vietnam. Oh, wow. So when you go to Starbucks and you have a blend that's just, they don't tell you what's in it. It's a lot of Vietnamese coffee mm. because since it falls under a different category, they don't have to like disclose some of the same information. Um, and they do these things like they they pledged like $500 million going back to farmers or something like that, but they got rid of their transparency report. So by pledging $500 million to go back to farmers, they might actually be doing less than what they were before because they're not oh, telling they didn't you anymore. Say what, how much they were doing before. Right. Okay. And that's how they can do those things. Um, and then what they can do because they're a billion dollar corporation is, or multi-billion, they can 
throw words like organic or fair trade, which those words are actually most of the time pretty harmful to the industry okay. because they're like buzz marketing words. It's the same thing like, uh, like cage free chicken. Yeah, you just eggs. buy for a certain, yeah, it's just, you buy a certification. Yeah. Um, Fair trade, to be considered fair trade, it has to be twice the C price of coffee. C price is the commodity trading price on the stock market, um, which is so low always. Like it's going through, it's it's going up right now, which is really good for farmers because that means fair trade prices. All prices are going up, which sounds really bad for consumers, but for farmers that can, you know, barely afford water, like that's good for them. Yeah. Um, so fair trade has to be twice the C price, which last time I typed the C price was like a dollar fifty. And also, I thought fair trade meant fair, like you're treating people well. No, not no. necessarily. It's all it's all tied to a dollar amount. Oh, which, I thought it was certification that there was no slave labor. Later. No, no, because most of the time farms are family owned. Um, so who's to say if something is slave labor if the family owns the farm? If you own a farm and you're picking your own coffee, you're not really a slave to anybody because you own the farm and you're doing it. But fair trade, yeah. So like, But if you're not making a living wage, does that really count as right, owning a business? Right. Yeah. So if the C price is $1.50, which I last time I tried to think it was about that or maybe two bucks, the fair trade price would be three bucks a pound or four bucks a pound, which is low. Mm-hmm. It is low. Like I, I've served coffees. You can get good coffee at that price. Um, but I mean, a coffee on our menu right now, our roaster paid sixteen fifty a pound for. And that's insane. Yeah. I mean, it all gets factored in the cost and it's the most expensive coffee we've ever had. But it's stuff like that, that, that actually contributes back to the farmer. The farmer, you know, we, that are the roaster that we're using right now. He has a relationship with that farmer. They're, they're texting on the daily now. Like <laughs> it, it's stuff that you don't, you don't get that at Starbucks. You don't see, you don't see photos of the farmer that literally picked and grew and processed the coffee that you're consuming. You do not get that experience. And that is where our industry needs to move to be sustainable and chains will never contribute something like that. Yeah, because it won't benefit their bottom dollar. Right. Right. Okay, so talk about the farms that you work with because you just went on a trip to Guatemala, right? Uh, Honduras. Honduras. Yeah. Wow, racist. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so at Lantern, we don't roast our own coffee, but um, going to origin is what they call an origin trip. Um, is like a really unique opportunity for anyone that works in coffee like long term Mm -hmm. um so i got the really awesome opportunity to go down with the guys from roast umber um it was more of a um cacao trip actually so we were we were going to see some of the chocolate that we are using as well as um mokaya on wealthy oh okay so i literally picked well i didn't really pick because i didn't want to get my hands dirty um (laughs) I let I, everyone else picked um, chocolate that Mokaya has right now. John is a little bit of a germaphobe, if you didn't yeah. know. <laughs> well, okay, so I was also there to like gather photos and videos. Yeah, so, so I did that. Too. I was holding my camera, and it was like raining, and I was like, "You guys got this." Yeah, you're also just kind of a little little bitch sometimes. <laughs> so I I did. I got a photo of me like holding one cacao pod, and then I was like, "You guys got the rest." Um, 
so we got to go pick cacao um, and literally see like um, the three varietals, the three main varietals of cacao that like we have on our menu. And um, I got the really awesome opportunity to go to two coffee farms that both of those coffees are available from two different roasters in Michigan. One being um, Hyperion Coffee um, in Ypsilanti. They have coffee from... Um, the Oswell farm that we went to that was like way up in the mountains. Well, they're all way up in the mountains, but yeah. his was like, they, we were joking. They, they call it puke mountain. Cause when you get too high, you, you get sick. It's a hike up there. Um, yeah. In case you didn't know, coffee doesn't just grow in like a flat field. Yeah. Only in Brazil it does, but everywhere else, like I was almost like falling down the hill. Yeah. Like they're that. like steep. Oh yeah. It's rocky. Like, yeah. Because the more, um, treacherous the terrain the better the coffee tastes right right because yeah. it needs more natural sugars right there's yeah there's theories like the higher elevation you usually get you know warmer days colder nights um and i'm not a roaster nor a farmer so i'm not qualified to talk about this but that's my understanding of it and what i've heard from stress is good for coffee yeah i don't know um <laughs> so we got to go to a farm um by farmer oswald's his name and that was at like 1,600 meters above sea level. And then we went to another one, uh, Rodulio Pacheco is his name. And he's a Cup of Excellence uh, award winner. Um, and his farm was huge. It's called Finca de Armadillo, like a, like an armadillo. Because mm-hmm. he was saying like you can see them sometimes when you're out there. Um, we didn't see any. But they gave me, uh, they, they threw a sombrero on my head. And it was funny. I was wearing this ridiculous coffee shirt that has like plants all over it. And all the other pickers were like pointing at me and laughing. They were making fun of you. Yeah, Good. which is fine. Yeah. And they kept calling me obviously gringo and chele, which means white man. I mean, you're as white as can be. Yeah, so yeah. They gave me a, they gave me a, a machete and one of their, um, I think it's called a trambillo. It's like the basket that you wear around your waist. It's literally like a, a wicker basket, like tied with a t-shirt. They just like tied it around my waist and they were all laughing and taking pictures of me. And they're like, get to work gringo. So <laughs> I went out there, got to pick coffee for the first time in my life and got to like taste it. We would just, uh, with permission, cause I was nervous. I was going to like pick the wrong thing. Um, but I kept asking him, I'm like, is this good? Like pick this. They're like, yeah, good. I'm like, okay. So I was very slowly p- filling this basket and all these little kids next to me were just <laughs> picking this coffee so fast. Um, so I was very out of place, but it was humbling. Like it's hot. And I was there while it was cool. And I was like sweating. I was like, man, I could go for some AC. <laughs> Very privileged life I live. Yeah. Let me tell you. He doesn't want to touch the cacao. <laughs> Maddie <Yeah>. sweaty. <laughs> yeah. I had like pit sweats. So, so them making fun of him was, was <laughs> totally justified. They, they earned it. <laughs> I deserved it. Yeah. Um, so I got, I got to meet him and it was very humbling. I met his son, Abraham, um, they cooked us like this incredible breakfast and made us this, um, like cornmeal, hot chocolate kind of warm, like cornmeal drink. That was so cool. Um, and I got to see coffee get processed for the first time, like actually see it, not just pictures, not just videos, like witness it being processed, which was so cool. What happens when they process it? Do they just take out like stems and stuff? No. So they, they dump all the beans into this big hopper and sometimes they're wood, sometimes they're plastic, sometimes they're cement. Um, they go down this big funnel essentially 
into these big pools, like literally pools that are like ceramic tile, like backsplash almost pools of water. Um, after so, but sorry, before that, they go out on the hopper, they go through this like mill, whether it's a spinning dry mill or wet mill, depends on where you were at. This particular one was a wet mill, so it goes through this wet mill, goes into this pool, and you see. Um, pictures of the people with the big spoon kind of rake things. They spoon them back and forth to wash the coffee beans, wash the mucilage off, all that stuff. Um, and then they like literally like they have a PVC pipe with like a cap on it that's like held with a piece of wood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's very primitive. Yeah. Uh, they just like pull the piece of wood out and like, pull the cap and it just like literally opens the floodgates. The beans just start shooting out. And then it goes into this like long sorting area is what, what they were calling it, um, where they sort it by quality. So floating beans are like the, the defective or bad ones. And usually what they'll do is they'll compost them or s- most of the time they'll keep them for themselves. Okay. Because they don't make money on it, but they still want coffee. Yeah. Um, but they want to sell all their good stuff. So they keep the bad ones for themselves. They sort usually in three to four categories you know first grade second grade third grade fourth grade whatever it is um the different qualities and they like can they can look at it like uh the farmer's son abraham him and i were chatting um in really broken language both of us yeah because um, i know no spanish at all but he was showing me like he could he could just pull three beans out which to my eye looked the same I'm like, yeah, those are three of the same things. And he's like, nope, these are three different ones because of blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, sweet. That's why like you do that's this part. you do this and I don't. I don't. Yeah. Um, but he, they, they sort them through that. And then um, depending on what kind of coffee it is and what they're trying to do with it, they can put them on a big patio, which you've seen pictures of. It's like a big cement driveway almost. And they just let them dry for a few days. Or sometimes they'll put them on a raised bed where they kind of lay in like a net so airflow can be below them and mm-hmm. above them. Um, and then they sell them to a co-op or they sell them directly to someone if if they have a good relationship. Um, most of the time it goes through some sort of exporter um, and then it comes stateside and either we buy it from an exporter, we buy it from a co-op or we're buying it directly. And by we, I mean roasters, not me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it comes to the cup, and there's a story with it, and we've got pictures of when we were at that farm, and we can tell that story to our customers, and that keeps them interested, and then that's the circle of the supply chain, I guess. When you're there, do they did they talk at all about um, the impact of you purchasing from them on the community or on them personally? Like, are they excited to see you, or are they like, oh, no, it's the white people again? Like... How does that work? That's a really good question because so being in coffee like for so long, I was always under the impression that like they didn't want us there and that I always thought like. I'm picturing like a mission trip. Like you go there, the white people show up to take pictures and then they leave. Yep. That's exactly what I used to think. And that's, I've always been like, man, like I'll see, you know, some big names do that and I'm like, ugh, that is so yeah, slimy. Like, hang them on the wall. Like yeah. what a it's just a photo op, you know what I mean? Like they fly down there, take a couple pics, oh, this is our farmer that we work with, and then go home, you know what I mean? That's what I thought it was. 
So the first day I was a little nervous and I was, I was very like trying to not converse, keep it reserved. Like I'll talk when I'm spoken to, cause it was, I was so honored to be there and I was so geeked to be there. So we went this entire day with me like being quiet, which I'm not quiet. No. We went this whole day and we're like literally processing the coffee and Rodulio looks over at um, my buddy down there, Elmer, which we look exactly the same. He has a really pale skin and he's really tall and scrawny like I am. <laughs> so everywhere we went, they would look at us and go, um, hermanos, which is brothers. Yeah. And we would die laughing. So I'm like, no, uh, I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Um, but he, he spoke to Elmer and he was, he basically said, uh, John coming here, he's the first white man that's ever been to my farm in 45 years. Wow. Yeah. And he was super honored for me to be there. And I was like, oh, so like, this is a good thing. And like, this isn't just like a photo op. It's yeah, it's, it's not a mission trip and I'm not some like white savior. This is like collaboration and it's more seen through the lens of like, they're like super thankful that someone from the States, whether it's me or someone else took the time and money and effort to go all the way there just to like see what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely like viewed the trip so different after that. Cause I'm like, man, I really wish I would have like engaged more and like maybe like talked to them a little bit more, but um, still a huge honor either way. And after talking to his son, cause his son's like probably about my age. Um, he asked me tons of questions about, it's like, what are your customers like? And like, what's like the new hot thing? Because that's, that's going to change the way they do things next year. Yeah. And well, and I and guess they wouldn't know if they're just in the field. Right. Yeah. And like they have access to internet, but they're not on their phones every day. Like we are. Yeah. They don't, you know, their life, their their farm to them is like a gift from God and they're all about like improving their farm and farm, farm, farm is their life. Whereas here we're like consume, consume, consume social media, fucking latte art picks. And like, latte art picks. <laughs> like, like shit like that. Yeah. So like seeing that like, they're just like, they're, they're excited to like work with stuff like that. Cause they can see like what our consumers like and they can hear it directly from us. Um, and it's not all just hearsay. Yeah. Um, and they, so they, they asked, can know they're on the right track with what they're growing. Yeah. Cause they were doing this year, they did their first, um, fermented coffee and they had like, they had heard about it mm. and they tried it and they produced like three sacks, which is like 300 pounds, which is a, not, not that much. Okay. Um, and they, like I was telling them like the anaerobic, the naturals, the fermentation, like that's like the future. Like that's, what everyone's asking for. It's what everyone's buying. And it's the direction wine went and now coffee. Right. And, and the son was like, Oh, so next year we, we do much more. And I was like, yeah, cause you can, you can charge more money for it. It, It's, it scores better on the cupping table. Um, and that's what everyone wants and it's more sustainable for them because then they're making more money. It actually takes most of the time, less energy, an effort to produce that. Okay. So they're doing less work. They're making more money and they're having a better product. And they wouldn't have known that if you wouldn't have told them that. Right. That's a really good feeling yeah. to like, feel like you're actually helping. Right. Yeah. So getting to do that, I left that day just being like, whoa, like that was crazy. This like, is getting what you're to do really that was meant like, to do. Yeah, yeah. Like that was like, 
peak coffee, big coffee guy. Like big I was coffee like, guy. I was like on cloud 10. Yeah. Like I was, yeah, I was super happy and I'm super thankful that like the people I went down there with, like they arranged all that for me. Like they were just told me like be up by seven and you're going up a mountain. Like they did it all for me. I, I, yeah, like Chad, Chad, the guy over at, um, Roast Umber, he's in town here. He does origin trips uh, a few times a year. So he like did all that for me. So shout out to him. Is that the name of his roastery is Roast? Roast Umber, yeah. Okay. So, so they they don't have like a roastery area. They they do, um, they roast on like other people's equipment, but okay. they have a, a lot of farms down in Guatemala they work with and they produce like some cold brew, canned cold brews that you can get at shops around GR and even in like other states. Okay. Um, but they're also, they're, they're moving towards doing more Honduras stuff just with the connections they have down there. Um, they can offer, I know like Sparrows Coffee does some stuff with them. So you might see some uh, Sparrows uh, Honduran coffee soon. I, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. That could never happen. I just yeah, made well, that up. But either way. Now um, they got it because you said <laughs> it. Right, right, right. <laughs> either way, like shout out to them and, and the good work that they do in the industry and stuff too. So, yeah. So maybe do some name drops. Like what are, um, what are the roasters that locally that, you know, source directly and what are some of the, um, coffee shops in town that, you know, that aren't assholes that people should go to obviously lantern. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're going to be the sponsor of this episode because right, right, right. John owns it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I think Grand Rapids has like a really good scene. Um, like we we're very fortunate that like we have a lot of specialty cafes in town that like want to do good stuff. Like I don't think anyone's doing like a really poor job, but the ones that I like I go to like obviously Lantern, I think we're doing stuff that no one else is doing and we're we're doing it in a fun like goofy way where we don't take ourselves too seriously and we just post like really bad memes and you know, just try to support like people around. We have three, two collaborations we launched today and I have a third one coming. That's like really, really cool. Um, but like obviously Madcap, you know, they're like, they're the hometown favorites. They're going to be here forever. They've made a name worldwide for themselves. And like, if it weren't for them, I don't think I would be here. And like, I don't think a lot of us would be here without them. Um, they're massive now. Um, so I, I still try to support the small guys. Like, sorry, Madcap, but um, they'll be fine without you. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing against them, but like, obviously like roast umber, they don't like have a cafe, but they're again, like they're doing stuff that not a whole lot of people are doing. Um, I mean the guys over at Sparrows, like I know a couple of those guys, um, they're doing some good stuff, but like one of my baristas, uh, Luke, he owns high bank coffee, which um, he, out of all roasters, just in West Michigan, I think, I think has the widest, um, sorry, not the widest, the, the most intentions on quality out of, out of what I've seen. Um, so he's working on doing a lot more direct trade stuff and buying from farmers. Um, so we have two coffees coming from him on our menu. One is the Sidra that launched today. It's the most expensive coffee we have ever bought by like three times. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're actually using this as a feeler to see like, do people want to pay $8 for a coffee? Um, uh, just like a black coffee, you know, and most people don't, but we're trying to see like what percentage of people do. Yeah. Um, 
because we have a coffee coming next month that is also very expensive. That will be roughly that. Um, and that was another direct trade project that he worked on. Um, and he got a really small amount of a really expensive coffee up here. And it's a unique opportunity for our community to have access to stuff that they more often than not wouldn't. Um, and I love to bring that, like we call it like the aha coffee. Like I think everyone that's into coffee has had their aha coffee where you're like, well, this tastes like blueberries. And then you're just like hooked forever. Yeah. Cause you, you can actually taste the taste. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's not until you have that coffee, your aha coffee that you're, you're not really into it. So these two coffees I think are, are both aha coffees and they could be aha coffees for all of West Michigan. Well, <laughs> well, let's take a break because I need to snort some Flonase real quick and um, we'll come back, talk more about the coffee culture in Grand Rapids yeah. and the features that you have coming up. So yeah. break time. And my phone is blowing up. Dude, I feel like I blacked out. Really? Yeah. My dog... My dog eats socks. Yeah. I just take him and he runs. And you're like, fuck, I can? Yeah. Well, we can't, we can't pack. Like, we go on a trip. My shot. When we go on a trip, we can't pack our <laughs> My suitcase. My shot, he says. <laughs> it was moving. <laughs> we can't pack our suitcases, like, in our living room. Because we throw the socks in, they get taken out. And next, then you don't have socks for ne- vacation. Next thing you know, we're in Phoenix, sockless, sockless in Phoenix. That sucks. <laughs> That's my favorite yeah, yeah, yes. On our honeymoon, that actually that just happened to Marissa. She got to Nashville for a bachelorette party like two weeks ago. Sockless, sockless. no socks. Sockless in Phoenix with John Bailey. Yeah. Hey, big sock guy. Yeah, Winston's a big sock guy. <laughs> Fucking goddamn, bro. <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Shout out to Gadget, sleeping with his hands up. Anyway, back at it. Yes. All right. So Caleb had a good idea for a question while we were on the break. What was your aha coffee? So my my aha coffee was Ethiopia Artie. It was an, it was like one of the few natural Ethiopias. Or no, no, it was a washed because I I for years I thought it was a natural. And I was having literally this conversation with someone that used to work there. And they were like, no, that was a wash coffee. And I was like, what? What's a, what's a natural and what's a wash? Uh, it's like the processing goes through. So naturals are most of the time more fruity and washed usually aren't as fruity. Okay. Um, yeah, the details don't matter. But for years I thought it was natural, but it, it was a washed uh, Ethiopia arty. And it was like the first coffee that I could taste blueberry. I was like, whoa. And funny enough, full circle, I had it at Lantern in like 2013. Like my cousins were in town and they like live in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin mm-hmm. where like, I don't know if they have electricity out there. Um, Definitely not Wi-Fi. And probably not cars either. I think they walk everywhere. Yeah. But they came to Michigan and all they could make fun of was our left turns, like our Michigan left turns. And then I took them downtown where we have one ways. They'd never seen a one way before. And we went to Lantern and we, we got two Chemexes. We split two Chemexes between like 10 of us. And it was Ethiopia Artie. And I put a ton of raw sugar in it. But I was like, whoa, this shit's crazy. And like almost 10 years later, I, 
own the place. Now you drink Some it. Of the place. Sans sugar. Sans sugar, yes. Mm-hmm. I actually can't do sugar anymore. It like, makes me sick. That's the funny thing about working in coffee is the longer you work in coffee, the less shit you put in your coffee. Yeah. Because you're there, you're there for the buzz. Speaking of, you said you don't drink a lot of caffeine. How does that work? I don't. Um, well, over time, you just like... I don't know. I'm just like so focused on like my duties and the business that tasting coffee, like I always have like other priorities where I'm like, like, oh, I really want to like sit down and have a cup, but like I also need to do payroll and like I need to like do like important shit that like if I sit down and like monkey around with like a playing with coffee filters, then I'll have to work three hours at home tonight and I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I taste things throughout the day, which is why, like, that was kind of the inspiration behind these cups that I had commissioned. Like, yeah. I love, like, smaller format coffees, but the coffees I do have are, like, way more exciting, you know? Like, my mom would try it and be like, oh, it gives me heartburn, because it's, like, <laughs> it's like straight acid, Yeah, but I love it, because I only have, like, a small amount, Yeah, um, which is more and more common with, like, the younger folk. Like, we have, like, more intense coffees, but we just drink them in smaller quantities, Um and I love that. Like, spend more on the coffee you drink, but just like drink less of it and you'll enjoy it more. Yeah. Let's take a little lantern ad break to talk about these cute little cups yes. we have. And Caleb's Mine's got, got the, cat hair on it. I'll we, wash it before you bring it home. We have we have four total. So I brought them today because we launched them today. Um, but these, so there's four um, ceramic artists that work right next to lantern and i never told them this till last night but we were doing a private tasting and um i had told them like do you guys remember during covid when like i was working by myself every day open to close and i was really depressed but you guys would come in every day i was like i've always wanted to like kind of throw some love back your way um, so I put them to work Yeah, <laughs> and I had them, that's the no, best way to show yeah, a business right, owner right, love. Right. I was like, I want to hire you guys. So we had a meeting and I was like, I love small cups, six to eight ounces, no handles right now. I'm loving the color pink and Tiffany blue. Um, and I was everybody's like, everybody's kitchen has this color in it. So yeah, I was like, just make whatever you want, like whatever you think is cool. Um, so there's, um, Olivia, Nicole, Victoria, and Elise all made their own. There's 25 of each mug, and they're at the shop until they're gone. Um, and we kind of launched it with High Bank Sidra to kind of have like a little incentive. So, like, really rare coffee, really expensive, handmade ceramic mug that if you buy both, it's 30 bucks. You get to take the mug home with you, and you get a little piece of like, you know, Heartside, West Michigan um, that you get to keep and have forever. So, yeah, these are really great. They feel really good in your hand. They're cute, and I love yeah. that. This one also reminds me of like a whiskey glass. Which so like, John totally... is known to use both whiskey and coffee on a daily basis. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> actually, I started getting really into John's social media because he started like talking with the apartment bartender, who I'm a big old fangirl of. Yes, shout out to Elliot. Yeah, I'm like... If I could have a dream career, it would be his. Yeah. So. Yeah. We like him and I, we met in 2016. I was in Phoenix for a wedding that I was filming. 
Um, and I was a fan of his, but he was a little smaller creator back then. Mm -hmm. And I just like shot him a DM. I was like, let's meet up. I was like working at Starbucks at the time. So I like went, we like had dinner together and he, like he helped, date. he helped me. Yes. It was bro. Yeah. It was two guys being dudes. He like <laughs> dudes being guys. He like looked at my Instagram and he was like, yeah, this, this sucks. Like this is not good. <laughs> he was like, this is not good. So he was like, here's what you need to do. And he gave me a bunch of pointers and my Instagram, like I started seeing huge growth. Cause at the time, like that's what I wanted to do was like, influencer type shit yeah like in the beverage world and um but for coffee and so he gave me a bunch of pointers and over the years him and i've stayed connected um i actually spent the night at his grandma's house in chicago randomly a few years back when he was in town um which was super weird um, in the best way possible i'm sure it was very weird and it was <laughs> awesome and yeah, super proud of him. He's doing cool shit. So yeah. if you out. don't follow him, you should follow him because yeah. his pictures are incredible. Yeah. And John's pictures are incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So um, make sure you're following both of them. But anyways, <laughs> this is not the end of the episode. Perfect. I usually do at the end. Right. But we talked a little bit about being in Heartside with the ceramic people. Yeah. Um, with COVID and being down a downtown business during COVID and yeah. people working remote and then also homelessness becoming more of an issue yeah how do you deal with being in Heartside? do you like it is it something that is a part of the culture like how does that affect lantern yeah it's tough um it's hard it's part of like our interview questions when we interview new employees is like you know we have people that are part of the houseless community or experiencing homelessness right now and like um how do you feel about that? Um, because we want our future or possible employees to know that like, you're going to have to deal with that. And then if we could fix it and not, you know, not have those situations, I would love to, but I don't have the answer for it. I don't think anybody does. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, but Lantern has always been a part of that community. And we've always made sure to like, like we have some protocols in place where we're not calling the cops on them right away. We mm -hmm. have other things we try first that way they're not getting thrown in jail or they can have other avenues to keep them, you know, from like permanent trouble, you know? Yeah. Um, cause I think sometimes we forget that like a lot of us are super privileged and like those people are going through stuff that you and I can't even fathom yeah. dealing with for a day. And it's like sometimes all they need is a glass of water or a, or a comfortable place to use the restroom. Um, and if we can safely do those things, we try to. Um, but it's hard. Yeah. It, like it's really hard. Yeah. To respect people and also maintain the quality of your business is really hard. Yeah. It's it's a it's a juggling act because we want to create an environment for our, our guests where they can come in and get a cup safely and have a good environment where they're not being harassed. But we also understand that like people have mental health problems and they don't see what they're doing as a problem, but we try to address it in a way that they don't get in trouble. They don't get thrown in jail for, you know, having a mental health episode. Um, yeah. nobody should ever have that happen, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've had to call the police sometimes. Sometimes, you know, things happen and uh, safety is, you know, the first priority. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to keep my employees and my customers safe. So, yeah. so 
sometimes things need to happen and you know it is we deal with it the way that we see fit yeah that's fair um so with covid how did that look for you guys like obviously it was hard for everyone but i understand you're right in the heart of downtown was traffic impacted what did you guys do to make it through covid COVID sucked for everyone. Um, So we closed when everyone got asked to close. Um, Like the last week we were open, I was the only employee and I just worked like open to close. And I would like, we would do a Google hangout for like FaceTime every day, like my staff and I, because we didn't have indoor seating. So I would just be like drinking coffee and my staff would all have their coffee and we'd remotely (laughs) just like hang out. Um, but we like sold all of our milk and beans for like cost. Like we just got rid of everything. So Mm -hmm. I posted like we're closing in like two hours, like bags of like five pound bags of coffee, like 50 bucks, like come get it. Yeah. And people showed up. We got rid of everything that we could. Uh, We took home stuff and we closed until July. We, so we were closed from March 23rd till July uh, 5th. We closed. And it was great. It was honestly, I sat on that government cheddar and I had a really nice mental health break from work. And I like took time to just like play Animal Crossing and like vibe and like it felt like a summer vacation. Yeah. But then so we reopened. We were doing like super limited shifts and our capacity at the time was 12 people total, which we weren't filling up. Like we were doing less than 20% of our normal sales every day. So we're, we're losing 80% of what we should have been making Jeez. every day for July, August, September, and then October it has always been our busiest month. Then we started making like 35% of what we should have been making. So I had to make some like compensation changes. Like I went back down to hourly rate um, and I was like, I took a huge pay cut so that the business could survive because obviously who wouldn't do that? Um, And my staff. A lot of people wouldn't do that, by the way, especially business owners or managers wouldn't do that. Well, like I love, I love Lantern. I you love, give a shit. I, yeah, I care so deeply about that place that I would uh, chop off my leg to make it survive. I don't know. Um, so we, we, we made it through that part and capacity where it was constantly changing. Like we were like 25% and then 50 and then we went back, back down to 25 just based on the numbers. Cause we were checking the numbers like every day. My, my co-owner, he, um, he follows that stuff like really intently and like he understands like he's all up to date on like who can get a vaccine and like who can get boosters and like stuff like that he knows i don't pay attention as much but like he's got that unlocked so i kind of check with him always like you know what's the deal with this what are the numbers at what's the positivity rate at um so all the decisions we were making were based off of like what the cdc was saying what the you know michigan uh health department was saying stuff like that um which side note i know that people have given you shit because you guys have asked people to wear masks a little bit longer or yeah. Well, so yeah, we were, we did it longer than anyone. Yeah. Um, and we had glass barriers up as well. So we were like in a little fish tank. Um, <laughs> it was dope. Not really. Cause they were really hard to clean, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so we, 
we required masks until this past April. Yeah. So. So all of that was based on your co-owner's research and staying up with CDC recommendations and infection percentages and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you know, we want to keep people safe and we know that people go out when they're outside a lantern and do things and they don't wear masks and we can't tell them what to do outside of there. But at the end of the day, like my employees come into contact with like hundreds of people. Yeah. So their chances, you know, when, when the positivity rate was 42%, like, yeah, we're going to be requiring masks. Yeah. So we waited until it was below five. So it got down to 5%. And so we got rid of the masks and, you know, we still wear them behind the bar and I've worn an N95 for like two years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, what is more important? Like someone like losing their life or like feeling uncomfortable for five minutes while you order your coffee. And some people, they don't want to do it and that's okay. Like we had tons of people that would come in and we would ask them to wear one and they would say, no, thank you. Like I'm okay. And they would leave and that's fine. Like, I don't care about that. It's the people that like, get aggressive and start screaming at us and call us Nazis and that stuff. That's I'm like, God, man, that like, like at the end of the day, like it doesn't affect me, but I feel for my employees that like yeah. have to deal with that stuff. Cause I don't want them to have to deal with it. And, and it's not their policy. They, they don't make those decisions. Right. Yeah. And, and the bad thing about it is like, I don't work a lot of weekend shifts and that stuff mostly happens on the weekends. So I always told them, I'm like, you're an adult whoever's walking in and treating you like this is an adult treat them like one yeah if they swear at you swear back swear back yeah dude like say whatever you want because nothing that they say or do is going to ruin like we're not going to change what we're doing we're not going to they're not going to ruin our business over this like this is a really unique weird time like nobody's loving this no like, literally nobody, nobody except likes wearing a mask except for like mask manufacturers they're probably yeah, loving oh, it love yeah but but other than them nobody liked it um so i'm like just tell them how it is and like i got into like verbal battles with people all the time yeah it's kind of fun yeah let's let's talk about that so running a business in the nature in the world of the internet is by the way, internet, the best place to meet people. <laughs> Did you miss it? Well, but now I gotta do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, is hard because there are many avenues for people to complain about things that don't matter. Yeah. And in the world of Facebook specifically, it's amazing what people will go on and put on Facebook without actually talking to a business owner. And you've had a little bit of experience with not a lot of bad reviews, but the occasional bad yeah. review. Yep. Um, and I kind of want to talk about the impact of that. So like when you're a business owner, how does it feel to get a bad review and how does that affect your business? It sucks. Yeah. It is hard, especially when you care so deeply when, when, you know, 70 to 80 hours of your week is spent either working on it or thinking about it. Yeah. You know, it's your, it is your life. And someone leaves a one-star review, which could jeopardize the future of your business. Or, or they tell their friends to rally, you know, hey, everyone, leave this place a negative review because of whatever reason, be it masks. Um, that sucks. Yeah. Because they're in that, and I take that as they're saying, I want this person to have no income 
because of my selfish reasons. That's what I take that as. Yeah. And that is just like shitty person energy. That's just like white privilege. I care more about like what I want and less about what this person has worked for. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and not even just like, why, why would you leave a review before talking to someone? I, the only time it's appropriate to leave an, a review that's one star for a small business is if you've had a bad experience, you've tried to engage with them and they've either rejected you or not responded at all. And you can't get a hold of someone right. like you need to use the proper channels to allow that business to improve before yeah. you go on there and damage their, their reputation permanently. Like right. that stays there. Right. Or, I mean, the the worst, I think, like, the worst is when you get a one-star review that has no writing. <laughs> yeah, They're just, like, shitty. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's bad. Like, why? Like, what, what wasn't good? So, I took it upon myself the last, like, eight months. I've started responding to every review, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And all the bad ones, I always say, like, you know, if they say, like, bad coffee or, like, expensive something like that. I'll give them my email, yeah. my personal email. Like, Hey, shoot me an email. Like, let's talk about this because I, our ultimate goal. And the reason we all do this is to provide a good service. Right. Yeah. And if someone didn't experience that, I want to know what's up. Like, what did, what did we do wrong that you, you know, your expectations weren't met. And sometimes people's expectations are just too high and you can't do anything about or that. Just stupid. Like you didn't do this the way I wanted to do it. Right. Okay, but you don't run this business, so right. have a nice life. Yeah. And, and I think funny sometimes, like, <laughs> I also really hate getting four-star reviews because you'll get a four-star review that says, like, amazing space, amazing staff, amazing coffee, love it, four stars. It's like, yeah. what can we do better? Yeah, you're like, um, <laughs> I know you're leaving room for improvement, right, but, right. like, come on. <laughs> you're like, I expected a massage on my way out. <laughs> But I usually, I'll respond to those too. I'm like, Hey, love it. Like if you see a area we could, where we could improve or like you saw something, you know, that we could have done better, like shoot me an email. Yeah. Um, cause again, we're all, we're always trying to improve and the industry is always changing in the food bev world. So it's like, Oh, did you like experience something at a different cafe that like we aren't aware of? Yeah. Um, and most of the time I get, I get emails and we always just like talk it out. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like this is the way we do things. And like, you know, because of X, Y, Z reason, like, I'd love to talk to you more about this. And usually they'll switch their view to a higher number, which again, I don't think reviews are everything, but they can have a heavy impact on your business. Especially with coffee shops, because people who are in from out of town use various apps to look up where to go. And that does matter in the food and beverage world to have good reviews to be at the top of the list. Right. Because people will think you have cockroaches if you have a low star rating, which whatever. Yeah. And we have, I mean, we have great reviews and we've had a couple of negative ones due to COVID, but thankfully Google has made it a little easier to get them removed. If it has like the word like mask in it or like, uh, like vaccine stuff like that, they'll, they're a little more lenient on removing them. Cause they know there are crazies out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause we, we experienced that. We got, we got ambushed a couple months ago. Oh, you got canceled by the... We did, by the alt-right. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got canceled. White Um, supremacy is alive and well. Yeah, so, yeah. People called us Nazis and left us one-star reviews. And it bummed me out. Yeah, that's a real bummer. But, you know, like, our community's stronger than theirs. So we got, like, three one-star reviews that had the word COVID, vaccine, or Nazi in it. 
And then I got like 38 five-star reviews in like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> because I posted it on my Instagram and I was like, fuck this lady. Yeah. This person. Screw them. Yeah. That's dumb. And also, if you are a review-leaving Karen, understand that the, the words you're saying are going directly to a person who you're attacking the thing that they most likely love most about their life. Like, when you're an entrepreneur, your business is everything to you. Right. So, like... If you're out here talking shit to your friends on a post that we made or you're like out leaving bad reviews, like you're really hurting someone. Yeah. When you could just keep keep your shit talking to yourself. Or doing the DMs. Yeah. Or just DM someone. Keep it in the DMs. Call me a Nazi in the DMs. Yeah. I'm cool with that. I've been called a Nazi in the DMs. That's fine. Yeah. DMs is fine, but don't publicly shame me because I care about my employees' health. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so we're nearing the end here, but I kind of want you to share a little bit about the features that you have at Lantern right now. Yeah. Um, if we didn't talk about it enough, John is in the process of becoming the the sole owner, but is right now working on becoming a co-owner yep. of Lantern. Yeah. Um, he's got a silent partner still, so that's great. He does most of the operations, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the coffee feature that you have and why it's so expensive and why people want to taste it. If you're a coffee nerd, Lantern is the place to be because John is the biggest nerd I know. (laughs) Yeah. So the coffee we launched today is roasted by, um, his name's Luke uh, Dennison. He's a barista of mine and he also owns uh, high bank coffee, which is in Caledonia. Um, in like the weirdest roasting space. Like the first time I went and like hung out at his space, I was calling him and I'm like, dude, I see a Mexican restaurant and like, uh, like a wedding venue. And all of a sudden like this door opens and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm right here. And like, we walk into this like 200 square foot little space where he just like pumps out like the best coffee I've ever had. Um, so a few months back he was, he was, whatsapping with some farmers down in Colombia. Um, this one being, uh, Edwin, Edwin Narena, which I, I'm drawing a blank on their farm name. Um, but he got some samples set up, sent up here. Uh, I think this was in like January and he, he roasted them and he brought them into the cafe one day and we're tasting them. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> like, I'm like, please tell me you're going to buy this. And Luke, you know, being a small business, taking like buying a coffee that's that's very expensive is like a risk because when you when you buy it, it's sitting on your shelf, taking up space, taking up space on your website. And if it's not selling, you know, you just got that that big expensive paperweight. Right. And he's like, I don't know, man, like it's it's expensive and like it's going to be hard to sell and like it's going to cost X amount. And so I'm like, look, I'm like. This is a huge risk for you. I will try to lessen that blow by putting it on my menu. I'll serve it if you buy it, mm-hmm. which much less risky for me. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, all right, let's do it. So he bought this coffee. It's a, um, I think it's fermented in cherry for 56 hours and then it's dry pulped 48 hours after that. So it's a, what they call fermented natural, um, and that isn't that isn't this specific coffee. Sorry, I brought a different coffee, but the one at the shop. Um, when you 
when you're in coffee, you meet these coffee nerds that will taste a coffee and they'll say, oh, bro, that's straight cherry juice. And I hate that because I've never had a guy say, bro, that's straight, that's straight orange juice and then taste straight orange juice. I've never had that happen. But when we were tasting this coffee, he goes, I like verbatim, he goes, bro, straight lavender. And I was like, big lavender guy. I was like, no, not straight lavender. There's no way. And I tasted it and I looked at him and I said, bro, straight lavender. This is crazy. Like it was the craziest coffee I'd ever had. So he bought it, got it. It's been selling great on his website. So like, even if you don't come buy it from me, like you should buy it from him. Yeah. Um, Cause again, he's a super small business doing like really, really cool stuff. And like, I'm super proud to have him in my circle. Um, and I'm super have to, happy to have his coffee on my menu and yeah. testing out this like expensive coffee market to see if like people want to buy $7 coffees. But, um, yeah, this coffee, it's like, it smells like lavender. It tastes like lavender, simple syrup. And it's like so sweet and honey, like, and just like a pleasant experience. Like this coffee is an experience, which is a great gateway drug for all you basic bitches out there who I love so much who have lavender lattes all the time. Yes. Like it's a great way to transition to black coffee that has similar tasting notes to what yeah. you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would challenge like anyone out there that, you know, doesn't really drink black coffee, like take a chance on something like this and like talk to the barista about it. Like all my baristas know it. Yeah. They're all excited about it. They all, we, we all bought bags of it, like out of our own pockets before this, like I've bought a bag of it. And the next coffee we have that we're doing next month, like I've bought that coffee and like, cause again, like I want to support my homie. I want to drink his coffee. I want to, you know, put his logo in front of as many people as I can. Cause yeah. you know, his coffee's on, on my menu. So serving his coffee and more people knowing about him is also good for me and it's good for the community overall. And it's good for the coffee industry because that allows him to buy more expensive coffees and support more farmers and, He's already talking to that same farmer about like, what's up for next year? Yeah. What you got for next year? Which I just talked to him this morning. That same farmer is doing like IPA process coffees. Oh, cool. Where he's putting hops in, like galaxy and mosaic hops into the coffees while they're fermenting. That's incredible. And again, this is stuff that like, you're not going to see this at Dunkin'. You're not going to no. see this literally anywhere except for like cafes that are willing to like put themselves in that line and like serve that shit on their menu instead of just selling it whole bean. A lot, a lot of cafes will do that. They'll mm -hmm. buy these expensive coffees, but they won't serve it. You can't, you can't taste it unless you buy a whole bag, but it's like, I get to do that shit. Yeah. I how get, much is it on your menu? Uh, for a 10 ounce, it's six fifty. Okay. And for a 16 ounce, it's seven fifty. Okay. Which but, quit kidding around. You spend more than that on your, on your Starbucks oat milk latte. Right. I know because I got one last week. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's the thing too is like, so we launched it with these mugs and these, these mugs are $25 because, you know, each one is handmade and these, you know, amazing people put amazing work into these mugs and Luke put amazing work into this coffee. The farmer put amazing work into this coffee, 25 bucks for a mug or 30 bucks to get both. We'll serve it to you in this mug and then you can take the mug home with you. And I'm already about to tell Caleb to go buy one of each of the mugs. So you better hurry because they're going to be gone by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there's only a hundred total. You know, each artist did 25 of each, which was our goal. Uh, kind of like that, you know. 23 of each now. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we've got four here and then. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we like to have that like 
we don't like to mass produce a bunch of things because, you know, cool experiences should be limited and, you know, small circle of people will come show up and support and we love those people. So, yeah. And don't be afraid if you do go to Lantern to ask the barista about coffee stuff. I know baristas can be really intimidating. You think they're all snooty and sometimes they are. Uh, but yeah, if you ask a barista genuinely about like why a coffee is good, they're going to get excited to tell you about it. Yeah. And that, that's the one thing. So the, this whole conversation we've been having this whole time about community and that type of lens of the way we do things. That's been my goal is I, I tell, I tell my baristas on their first day, everything that you learn working for me is a privilege that yeah. you are privileged to know the things about coffee that you know. So do never put yourself on some hierarchy because you know what fermented coffee is and a customer doesn't. Or because you know how to make a swan and a latte. Right. So that's where I get kind of iffy about charging people for doing like coffee classes. Mm. I just had a meeting with a woman yesterday who was telling me that I'm, I'm selling myself short because I, I like I teach people for free and I, I understand that there is value in that, but I'm not one to gatekeep my knowledge. Like if you come in and you're like, I want to make better coffee at home. Like, what should I do? I'll be like, cool. How much time do you have? Yeah. Cause like I could go, I could go deep. It could be super, super deep or it could be really shallow. I could tell you use better water and your coffee will taste better. And we, we could leave it at that. Yeah. Or I could do an hour seminar and we could talk about, you know, the way your beans get ground, like how that affects things. And yeah, what my knowledge and experiences is, is a privilege and that shouldn't be held behind a dollar amount. Yeah. Unless you want to pay me. Yeah, unless you have a group of friends that you want to teach coffee. And I'm yeah. sure John will come and do a paid class. We'll call it consulting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so how long is this coffee available until it's gone? And is it something you're going to be doing regularly where you have different features every month, every quarter? So we change our roaster every four to six weeks. We did block off eight weeks for this roaster because we weren't sure how long this was going to take to sell. So I have, I have 4.2 pounds of this coffee Mm -hmm. and once it's gone, it's gone. And then we will bring on the Java, which is the next one we're doing, which yes, Java is like a real coffee word. Um, we're bringing on that, which is the sweetest coffee I've ever had. Um, but that will be on probably in June. And same thing, we'll have 4.2 pounds of that. And when it's gone, it's gone. Um, and yeah, if you're like thinking about trying it, you really should because it's it's really delicious. Well, and the more you actually support these things that they're doing at Lantern, the more they can get exclusive coffees for you to try that you'll never get to try again in your life. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah, definitely go buy things from lantern uh it's a really cool vibe too now that you can sit inside again there's it's a great place to hang out and um there's a lot of good people there so yeah we did just get some new outdoor seating as well adirondack chairs if you didn't know what that was because i didn't um (laughs) until like 12 people said that word and then Mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah Mm -hmm. i know what you can google it if you don't know what it is yeah Yeah. we have adirondack chairs they're really comfortable Caleb, could you put in a graphic of an Adirondack chair here so that people can see what an Adirondack chair looks like? Dude, shit's comfy. You sat out there for a meeting. You have some Sidra, high bank Sidra with your with your ceramic mug and Adirondack chair, hanging out with your best boys yeah. or girls, whatever. And if you forget the word Sidra, just say, you know, that fancy expensive one and yeah. they'll know what you mean. 
it it does. I, I did just learn the word Sidra. So that's the varietal of coffee. It comes from the word cider because I think they discovered it near like some apple trees or something. I could have made that up. That might not be true too. It's true now. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we've covered all of the things. Yeah, we've talked about everything. Yeah. So if you want to get in to- contact with John, it's the real John Coffee. Yep. I'll tag him and everything. Yep. Um, yeah, and just make sure you're kind to your local small businesses. And yeah. you can go to Starbucks, but also go to small yeah. coffee shops. If I could throw out a challenge, yeah. everyone that listens to this, go leave five five small businesses you go to or pat- uh, patron. Leave five five-star reviews Yeah, with words. Leave words. Leave keywords. Like, you know, if it's a food place, if it's a pizza, pizza place, great pizza. Like, make sure you include those words because that, that's really good for their algorithm. And yeah. they will literally make more money off of that. And it costs you nothing to do. And you may make someone cry with joy. Honestly, like it, it, it's life changing to get yeah. a good review. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's all. Well, thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Cut off abruptly right there. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Taking down.